welcome this today. Welcome today to our uh, our worship service. We're so glad that you're here with us to to worship. Let's stand together.
welcome you here with us tonight. Father, we seek your will. We seek your presence. Lord, your desire for our lives above all else. Lord, we know that you are a good father to us. Lord, please meet with us here tonight. Lord, we open you with our, our hearts and our minds. We welcome you with our hearts and minds, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Please have a seat. You know, one of the things that I've really come to realize over the last few months is just how few certainties we have in life. 
We woke, you know, woke up early March, and there were so many things we were all so very certain would happen the next day and in the next month. And then life changed. And it reminded me that there's just one thing that is always certain, and that is who God is, who he is. He is our good, good father, and he promises us so many things. And he is who is certain in our lives each and every day. And because of that, as Christians, we worship in a unique way by giving what is ours, what can be hard to give, back to him, to thank him for always being the one thing in our life that is so certain. And that's why we take time each week to take the moment to worship him through giving. We have four easy ways for those of you who call BSCC your home. You can text GIVE to the number on the screen. You can go to our website. You can mail it in. Or if you're here on campus, you can drop it in the boxes at the doors. Let us all really worship and obey our Lord by following everything he calls us to do, not just those things that are easy and the times that are good. If you'd please pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for everything that you have given us, all that you have taught us, all that you are, Lord. You are someone so powerful and unique in our lives, Lord, and we are so thankful for who you are. Lord, help us to feel you, to draw close to you every single day, and in every way you call us to worship, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you, Lord. And Lord, please use these gifts that we give back to you in ways that will distribute both your love and your word through our congregation and our community, through our country and our world. Lord, we love you. Amen. Another way we love to worship and serve our Lord is through acts of service. A month ago, we started a serve project called Birthday Box Kits. And the idea came over our COVID stay-at-home time when many of our parents realized how hard it is to celebrate a birthday when you can't do your normal things. And it got us to thinking about the families who live in those times outside of COVID. And so we decided as a church that we would collect these birthday box kits and give them to families who are in shelters or, or foster families or wherever they might be of use. And I'll be really honest, when we first talked about this and I reached out to ministry partners, I told them we might have 10. I thought maybe we'd have 20 to 30 total. And this week, we delivered 61 birthday kit boxes to Hope House, to foster families, and to other organizations in our community. And we want to just celebrate all that we do as a church together and thank you for serving in this way. Hello. It is good to see those of you who are in person with us. Uh, those of you who are watching online, we want to welcome you. Uh, we're glad that you're able to, to join us in this service. I was thinking today, how many friends, how many close friends do you think you have? Five? Ten? Uh, close friends. Maybe some people have 20, maybe, maybe 30, I don't know. I don't mean to brag, but uh, I totally love. I have 746 
friends on Facebook. And I know, I know, Facebook isn't necessarily close friends necessarily. It's not people that you have to, to really have a, a great relationship to be a friend there on Facebook. But at some point in time, I was looking over my list. Not, at some point, I had some sort of relationship with everyone on there. But as I was scrolling through this week, I realized that, uh, man, a lot of them, I just don't have the time or the desire to stay up with their life anymore. I, I looked on there, and I've, I've got one uh, guy who I didn't really like in high school, and I don't really like now, but he's still a friend on Facebook. Uh, there's a girl on there that I met 16 years ago at camp. I haven't spoken to her since that week of camp, and yet I'm still getting updates on, on kitten uh, videos that she's posting. There's a guy that I talked to one time. I had a 10-minute conversation on the phone with him, a, ch- a church planner out of Kansas. haven't spoken to him since. That was several years ago, and yet I'm still seeing videos on, on what he had for breakfast yesterday. And in Facebook, it's easy to kind of have all these friends and, and be able to say, I've got all these, these different posts here, but... If you've ever liked someone on Facebook or clicked on someone's Instagram account or something, you, you discover that um, follow, you're considered following them even if you really aren't doing much in this relationship. You don't have to read a post or a tweet for months to still be following them. It's a very passive relationship. There are no responsibilities. There's no accountability. It's just a one-time click on a follow button, and then instantly you're there. It is actually pretty easy. But sadly, that has become the perfect picture of what following Jesus means to many professing believers around the world. It's a passive follow more than an active follow. All a person has to do is say a prayer or or get baptized or join a church, and then um, their their following button has been clicked. After that, you just sit back and, and wait for inspiring messages to be delivered. Whether you listen or not, respond or not, change or not, they're still considered Christ followers. It's easy. But that's really not the way it's supposed to be, at least not according to the standards Jesus gave us and the early disciples modeled for us. He told us that we would have to give up everything, take up our cross, and follow him daily. He said we'd have to choose him above everyone and everything else in this world. He said we'd have to die to our own desires and place his demands as the highest priority in our life. In short, being a disciple or following Jesus is supposed to be hard work. It's more than passively liking Jesus. It's actively and intentionally trying to become more like Jesus every day. And maybe that's why so many Christians today aren't really growing in their faith. One of the questions that was asked for this this series that we've been in is, um, it kind of relates to this, it says, how can I grow in my relationship with Jesus? And as we walk through our answer today, I hope that you will be challenged and equipped to be able to to move towards maturity in your own relationship with Jesus. I used to love to go water skiing. I used to do that in high school and and some in college quite a bit. I haven't done it in years uh, for a variety of reasons, but um, in high school, my boss uh, owned a lumber yard. And I worked for him, and he was a deacon in our church, and he was a great man. One day he told me, hey, Tom, Saturday morning, don't come into work. Just meet me at my house at 5 a.m. and bring your swim trunks. I was like, okay. So I did. I showed up that day. He said, hey, today we're, we're not going to go to work. We're going to go to the lake. And he took me out on his ski boat, and, and we skied that whole day. And his job that day was to make me fall and fail in the most spectacular way possible. 
He would take uh, several turns around in his speedboat, make these concentric wave circles, and then he'd cut around and cut over them and, and go back and forth. And man, he, he did his job that day. I was beaten and bruised at the end of the day. I, I fell quite a bit, but I had a blast doing it. In fact, I got so beat up that at the end of the day, I looked down and my swim trunks were literally only staying on me because of the drawstring. They were shredded otherwise because I'd taken such a beating. But I learned several things that day. First thing I learned was that if a piece of seaweed touches my leg while I'm treading water, I scream the exact same way if that happens as if a shark would brush past me in the ocean. But I also learned that day that in a boat, you're never just staying still in the water. When I would fall down, he'd have to circle the boat around and come and get me. And it wasn't just stopping in one space. You know, we're constantly moving. The web and, uh, ebb and flow, the waves were taking me still. There, there's no standing still on a lake. You're either moving towards or away from the person that you're trying to reach. You can't stay still in your relationship with God either because the ebb and flow of life will carry you away from him. You have to constantly course correct to remain close to Jesus. There's no autopilot uh, control in discipleship. You're either following Jesus closely or you're drifting away from him because the ebb and flow of life happen and because he is constantly on the move. But we've been conditioned to believe that we're, we're close to Jesus uh, by some certain religious signals. And so I want to briefly share with you today four factors that are not reliable indicators of your spiritual maturity or relationship with Jesus. Okay, so the first one is this. Spiritual maturity is not a matter of age. Okay, you can get older and not grow mature. Some of you are thinking of people specifically in this room at that time, okay? And we understand that. We all know people that live like the bumper sticker that says, I may be getting older, but I refuse to grow up. In the same way, spiritual maturity cannot be measured by the calendar. Some people who have been Christians for a very long time have grown very little spiritually over the years, while others who may have been Christians for just a short time are very mature in their faith. Your commitment to growth and Jesus is what matters, not the amount of time that you've been on this earth and not even the amount of time that you've been in this church. So a person's age is not necessarily a good indication of their spiritual maturity. Second, spiritual maturity is also not a matter of appearance. Some people can look and, and maybe sound spiritually mature. They know how to, to talk the talk, but obviously the question is, can they walk the walk? Some people look holy, but we know excuse me, appearances can be deceiving. You're not supposed to judge a, a book by its cover for good reason. The way that we dress, the, the spiritual words or phrases that we use, or even the version of Bible that we own, they're not good barometers of how closely we are actually following Jesus. A person's outward appearance isn't necessarily an indication of spiritual maturity. Third thing is that spiritual maturity is not a matter of activity either. Some people think that they have, have grown spiritually and they're really close to God if they're really active in the church. They assume that if they're, doing, uh, they're busy doing God's work, then they must be mature. But we all know in the scriptures, the Pharisees, they were busy with religion and no one was really farther from the truth than they were. Being busy, being active for God, it doesn't result in salvation, let alone growth in church. A rocking horse has a lot of motion, but no movement. The same is true with Christians. The amount of activities that you're involved in, whether it's Bible studies or classes or, or devotions or ministry or, or whatever, isn't necessarily an indication of spiritual maturity. They're good, but they're not necessarily an indication of maturity. And the fourth thing we learned is that spiritual maturity is also not a matter of affluence. 
Some people believe that because they have been blessed and are prosperous, they must be close to God, right? If they weren't close to him, he would not have blessed them with so many of the different things that we have today. Well, God may have blessed many of us in this room, but that isn't necessarily an indication that we're spiritually mature. An abundance of of material blessings is often a test to see uh, what we're going to do with the resources that God has given to us to manage, not always an indication of his approval. So if spiritual maturity is not necessarily related to age, uh, appearance, activity, or affluence, then how do we determine whether we're spiritually mature or not? Or more importantly, how do we grow? How do we continue to grow spiritually? Well, in Peter's second letter to the church, he writes to some uh, believers who are living their lives as though Jesus is not going to come back. Uh, They're as if once they became believers and they're secure forever and they can do whatever they want. There's no need to work on their relationship with or their faith because it's safe and it's secure. And he closes his letter to them with this warning to be on guard against uh, falling away from their relationship with Christ and being carried away by false teaching. Second Peter uh, chapter um, 3, verse 17 and 18. Peter says, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. In these two verses, Peter here warns his readers to stay secure in their relationship with Jesus, and he gives them the means to do so by growing in grace and knowledge. Now, that word grow here is is a command for all believers. It's not an optional activity. It's not a one-time action. The Greek verb tense indicates that we're to be constantly or continually growing. These are Peter's last recorded words and their command to grow spiritually. And he says we're to grow in grace and in knowledge. So we're going to look at both of those today. Growing in grace can really be measured in two ways. First of all, we grow in the way that we experience grace. Now, grace is something good that you don't deserve. Some of us haven't really comprehended what Christ has done for us. We sin, we sin, we sin, all the while benefiting from the Father's forgiveness, acting as if it's really no big deal, or or maybe even as if we're entitled to this grace that He gives us. And for some of us in this category, we need to see the seriousness of our sin and also thank God every day for His unconditional uh, love towards us, lest we take this grace for granted. That's what the writer of Hebrews um, is expressing when he, he wrote in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. He says, if we, keep on, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a, a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. Some of us need to be reminded of the cost that Jesus paid for God's gracious gift of grace to us. We need to have a better grasp of how much we have been given and how much we have been forgiven. But others struggle with this in a slightly different way, this this whole idea of grace. We act as if we are the most worthless scum on earth and that God would never and could never ever love us. In a sense, there's some truth to that, but the fact is God chose to love us even though we don't deserve it. And while nothing we could ever do would ever make him love us more, 
It's also true that nothing we could ever do would ever make him love us less. And for those of us struggling with this mindset, we need to come to grips with with God's grace towards us and act as if we are loved and valued by him, not as cast-aside, scum-of-the-world trash. The same blood that washed away the sins that we committed before we accepted Christ is strong enough to wash away the sins that we've committed after we've accepted Christ. In 1 John 1, 9, uh, John is writing to Christians and he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So every time you confess your sins and thank God for his love and forgiveness, you are growing in your experience of grace. But the second way we can grow in grace is that we grow in the way that we express grace. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. One of the marks of spiritual maturity is how we treat other people. God calls us to extend grace and kindness to the people in our lives, even and especially when we don't feel like it. I was reading this week about the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge and how it was built. And um, during on in the building of this, and the construction of it, many of the workers actually fell to their death from the scaffolding. And it became a, a huge problem. And, and actually production slowed down to a grinding halt because the workers were just too afraid to continue working, knowing that if they fell, they would perish. And so engineers and other people, they, they got together, they uh, tried to figure out a way that they could uh, make it safer for everyone. And someone finally suggested, why don't we just build a big net under the bridge to catch people? And that sounds like a low-tech way to figure it out, but that's the option they chose. At a lot of cost and a lot of time, they, they put this big net underneath the bridge, and immediately production began again. And actually, productivity increased. Uh, workers still fell. They still had accidents. They fell off, but each one of them was saved from death by the net that caught them. And so eventually, they, lo- they, they actually caught up on all that time that they had lost earlier in fear because they now had faith in this net that was there to catch them. I think some of us have people in our lives that live in fear because they're not sure that we're going to extend a net of grace for them if they fall. Grace gives other people second chances. It gives them the benefit of the doubt. It looks beyond their words and their their actions and and sees the person that God really loves deep down inside them. And nowhere, nowhere is this grace more needed now than in our country today. Are we expressing grace to our children even though we told them a million times how to do that thing? Are we expressing grace to others online even if we don't agree at all with the stance that they take? Are we expressing grace to our coworkers, even though everyone knows they're not pulling their own weight? But why? They don't deserve it, right? Exactly. But neither do you. Neither do I. That's the whole point of grace. It's something good you don't deserve. Every time you give someone a second chance, you are growing in the way that you express grace. Peter says we're supposed to grow in grace and also grow in knowledge. And growing in knowledge also involves two key aspects. The first is that we need to grow in our knowledge of the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. If there were a test on how well you knew your Bible, what grade would you get? I don't know about you. Let me tell you, I know you're being tested every day, and some of us are failing. 
Your children see how you react to life's annoyances and, and problems. Your spouse knows how well you handle temptation in your life. Your coworkers watch and listen to your conduct and your character every day. And both God and Satan talk about you in the heavenly realms. Are you doing your best when it comes to knowing and living out the truth of God's word? Boy, it, it is vitally important that we read our Bible daily. That we think about what it means to us, that we, that we share it with someone else, whether it's our spouse or our family or people on Facebook or our, our small group or study group or whatever it is. This is a necessary habit for spiritual growth. I read this online recently. It said one of the most dangerous things that we as Christians can do right now is neglect our Bibles. Thousands of voices are trying to influence how you think about the world around us. You are being shaped and molded by those voices. So let's make sure that we're being shaped by God's voice above all the others. More scripture, less social media. More Bible, less books. More prayer, less posts. If we were to compare the amount of time that we spend reading God's word every day with the other things in life, where would the Bible rank? See, every time you open God's word, read a portion, consider what it means to you, and, and pray over your response, you are growing in your knowledge of the scriptures. And let me tell you, we need men and women who know their scriptures. The second way that we can grow in knowledge is to grow in our knowledge of the Savior. And in high school, I loved Michael Jordan. I like him a lot now, too. I, I was thrilled when that documentary came out in May on ESPN. I watched every night of that. And let me tell you, there was a lot that I already knew uh, from that, too. Um, I had read several books about Jordan. I memorized all of his stats growing up. I watched every Bulls game that I could. Um, I tried to memorize his moves and, and be exactly like him on the basketball court. I fell way short. But I tried to be like him as much as I could. I knew so much about him, his personal life and his professional life. And, um, you know, what I wondered as I was watching that, that uh, documentary, uh, that came on ESPN, I wonder, you know, if I just go to Michael Jordan's house in the Chicago area today, knock on the door, and, and just imagine he answers it, I say, hey, Mike, it's me, it's Tom, man, I have, I've known you so long, I can't wait, let's go hang out today in your pool, what's he going to do? Security, there's a crazy person here, please escort him away, right? That's exactly what he'd do, right? He, he wouldn't stand for me, because knowing about someone is not the same as knowing them. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. I don't, I don't think I've ever prophesied. I know I haven't driven out any demons. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've never uh, been able to perform a miracle either. But those aren't necessarily indications of spiritual maturity or relationship with Jesus, according to Jesus. Notice what he says in that verse. He says they're going to be cast out of his presence, not because of their sins, not because of their lack of faith or their inability to witness, not even because of these great things that they have done. They're sent away because they proclaim to follow Jesus, but they didn't really know Jesus. Spiritual growth is seen in this shift from knowing about God to knowing God. 
Discipleship isn't just reading the scriptures, it's, it's reflecting the Savior. There's an active element of growth and following that has to take place. Otherwise, it's not really discipleship. The focus is not on information, it's on transformation. The goal isn't to know the most verses, it's to know the most holy one. Do you know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? Every time you acknowledge his presence in your daily life, every time you you speak to and listen to him, you are growing in your knowledge of the Savior. Peter said, grow in the knowledge, in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We must be growing in both grace and knowledge to become mature. And don't miss the fact that Peter's calling for both growth in in these areas simultaneously. Because if we grow in one way and without the other, then we become dangerously imbalanced, don't we? Grace without knowledge is weak and shallow and permissive. But knowledge without grace is mean and judgmental and prideful. We grow in knowledge by being with God in His Word. We grow in grace by being in relationship with God's people. And that's why we want every member of this church and and in the community and the world really to be in some sort of group or study that emphasizes the discussion and application of the Bible in our relationship with Jesus. At Blue Springs Christian Church, our mission is to guide children, students, and adults into a fully devoted relationship with Jesus together. Guiding people to become fully devoted in their relationship with Jesus is our primary mission. Spiritual maturity and discipleship, that that really is our focus. And we're making some changes in our our small groups this fall to actually to better uh, reflect that commitment. These changes we hope are going to help us uh, focus on this overall mission of guiding people into a fully devoted relationship with Jesus, of helping you intentionally move towards maturity. We're going to offer a way to, to evaluate where everyone is in their spiritual walk and then identify some steps and, and resources that can be used to help us grow closer to Jesus. We're going to um, be able to, to make a shift and see our small group leaders as, as tour guides who are going on a, a journey with us towards a specific destination of maturity, not as travel agents to just give you advice and send you on your way. We're going to emphasize transformation and and focus on behaviors, not just sharing information and gathering trivia and head knowledge. And I know, I know some of you are ready to grow. You've been here for a while. You know you need to take that next step. You know you need to move towards maturity. You want to grow in both grace and knowledge. And if that's you, maybe today's the day that you decide you're going to take the steps class with us. And you're going to find out more about Blue Springs Christian Church and, and what membership means here. Some of you are ready to grow and you're ready to say, I'm I'm ready to sign up for a small group. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to be challenged. I'm ready to to make my faith my own and really put it into practice. And some of you may want some guidance simply just how to read the Bible in a better way, how to be more intentional about it and more uh, productive as you read God's Word. And we would love to help you with any of those areas. And the way that we are asking you to respond right now is simply by uh, texting the word response to the number uh, that's on the screen. Doing so ensures that a minister from our church is going to call you this next week and they'll, they'll talk over with you whatever decision that you are, are making and wherever you need some guidance or some help, we want to walk with you through this. We're not expecting anyone to do this alone. Remember, we're, we're trying to be fully devoted uh, followers of Jesus together. And we would love to help you with this, so please give us that opportunity by texting response to that number. And I know that some of you in this room are ready to grow in maybe a different way. You need to take a step of faith and and maybe step out and and lead a small group or a study group. 
And let me tell you, as Minister of Engagement here, I oversee those small groups, and I know we need more small groups here at BSCC if we want to make this mission a reality. Um, I know some of you are worried about what to say or what that looks like, but I want you to know you're going to be given training. You're going to be given resources, so you'll be effective. Even in the midst of this pandemic, we can still have effective small groups. And I've had several people in the last four months that have called and they said, hey, I want to join a group. And, and honestly, if there's a couple that we just couldn't find one that would meet at the same time that they were available, I met in their area. We need more group leaders. And if you're feeling God tug you in that direction again, I just text response to that number or, or call me this week. We'll talk through that. I was reading also this uh, recently about a, a monument that's high up in the Alps, and it was raised in honor of this uh, faithful Sherpa guide. Um, he, had, uh, he had come down from the mountain with no problem, but there were some other people that were stranded at the top. And so he immediately returned, and, and he has tried to ascend that peak to be able to, to rescue that stranded tourist that was there. But he actually died on the way up. And inscribed on that simple memorial stone were these three words, He died climbing. My hope is that you would have that same sort of attitude right up to the end of your life. That same attitude that that Peter had here, that you would die climbing, that you would die reaching, that you would die growing in your relationship with Jesus. And and, and 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5, Peter writes, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the reason that you and I need to make an effort to be more spiritually mature, to follow closely to Jesus, is because there are people that are dying every day in this world without him. And we run the risk of being ineffective and unproductive if we aren't growing in our relationship with him on a regular basis. We're ineffective when we claim to follow Jesus and yet we haven't taken the time or effort to really know the scriptures or to know the Savior intimately. We're unproductive when we we think we're mature, but we've forgotten the experience of God's grace in our own lives and we definitely aren't expressing his grace to other people. See, the church is corporately only as effective and as productive as each one of us are individually. Are you building us up? Are you holding us back? Are you moving towards maturity? Peter said we're to make every effort to grow in this grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So are you growing in the way that you experience God's grace? Not trampling on Jesus' sacrifice, but not condemning yourself either. Are you growing in the way that you express grace to others, extending forgiveness and second chances even and especially when they don't deserve it? Are you growing in your knowledge of the scriptures? Are you regularly reading and meditating on his word, sharing that truth with other people? Are you growing in your knowledge of our Savior, spending time with him daily and intentionally strengthening and deepening your relationship with him? If you would like to take the next step towards spiritual maturity, please do so today. We're ready to talk with you, ready to pray with you, ready to help guide you. And I'd like to pray for you right now. Father, as we pause here, as we reflect upon your son Jesus, God, we are so grateful for what he has done in our lives. We are grateful and we're thankful that he 
gave us the opportunity to know him more. And so, Father, as we look at our own lives today, I I know that some of us are feeling guilty because we have not been very intentional about our relationship with you. And, Father, we want to repent of that today. We want to say we're sorry, but, God, we also want to change our actions and our attitudes. We want to be closer to you. So, Father, help us to respond in the right way. Help us to take that seriously. And, God, allow us as we we seek to to follow you in in more intentional ways, God, to, to be able to do that well. God, help us not to wait. Help us to just act the way we should. And we love you. We love Jesus. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?
For those that are joining us online, we just want to thank you again so much for just the, uh, the chance that you, you've had to, to worship with us, and um, we, we want to invite you into a time of communion. So if you're joining us online, feel free to go ahead and step off. Uh, thank you again. We pray that you have a, a great, great day.